Well, we come back to um, your theory about uh, the movies that Hideo Kojima thought was cool that he could talk about. Uh, and the ones that influenced his work that are not cool that he's not allowed to talk about. Oh, did you? You just re-listened to. Uh, I just, just re-listened re- to you our just first three to the episodes. Hard to kill episode. Yeah. Okay, but honestly, I'm not even joking. Play <laughs> the opening at Mission of Metal Gear Solid. Rewatch that scene and then play the mission from Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. It is eerie. Mm-hmm. Like if I had a chance to ask this man like three questions, one of them would be like, "Okay, but like level with me." <laughs> Are you secretly a Steven Seagal fan? Is there, I know you talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey and Blade Runner and stuff, but you can be honest. We all like our trash sometimes. You like that trash, don't Speaking you? of trash. Uh... Speaking of trash, ticker! <laughs> but you can't check your six. It's kind of like, you know, taking a screwdriver to a gunfight. What's happening? Just like old Tom, Tom. I'm realizing, looking at my notes for this episode, that I watched this movie like two or three weeks ago. At least you took notes. I did take notes. So, you know, that's something. Um, right. Zach, you want to kick us off? Hold on, I was in the... <laughs> no, not really. Thought. <laughs> my thought was how much I don't like this movie. How bad oh. it was. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought elaborate over the course of the next like half hour 45 minutes or so oh actually i don't know are we gonna be i feel like this could be a long one this could be a long one actually i think we need i i don't think we need to they've they've been kind of long we've been rambling a little bit i think (laughs) the 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 first three that are like half an hour 40 minutes that's yeah perfect length see you say that but honestly i and i'm really i'm not trying to like i'm sorry but I watching this one, I really thought this was going to be like, I don't have much to say about this. Like, I'm going to struggle. I'm going to need these two to like carry me through it. But then as the movie went on, I'm worried that (laughs) I will actually have a lot to say. And this could be a long one. But all right. Well, I got to go to bed at some point soon. So that's true. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Anyway, we're here. Um, Welcome to episode 12 of Stephen C. at all. Episode 12, we're at a dozen, almost at the Baker's Dozen. I really don't know how to start this one for some reason. I have so much to say, but I don't know how to start it. We'll start with your um, name. <laughs> you do, Every time it's one of yours, I've, I've listened back to the audio cues. Every time it's one of yours, you just like start going, but you don't introduce the thing, the movie. You don't introduce yourself. Okay, everybody, we don't have the kind of audience. information. We don't have the kind of sure. audience it okay. requires to Hello. just do like 10 minutes of rambling before you get to the subject. Hello, and welcome to Stephen C. at all. My name is Zachary Weiberg. I'm Aaron. I'm Hans. Thank you for joining us this week, where we are discussing Ticker, a 2001 film directed by Albert Pion, starring, much less than I thought, Steven Seagal. Yeah! So, first thing off the note. So, let's run through this tickers are bombs sorry tickers are devices you're not allowed to say bomb in this in this movie apparently um wait what is it oh so again very similar to many of the movies that we've seen in the past we start off we're at a senator's house the senator it's a senator this time it's been senators it's been governors it's been vice presidents 
He hasn't had to save the president yet. I feel like that's no, that's got to come at some point. We're working yeah. up to it. As the movies get worse, the the person he has to save gets more important. Although this is like the fifth senator in twelve movies. Yeah, it really is. But sometimes the senator says back. Anyway, anyway, anyway. You know. Um, Steven Seagal is the best at diffusing devices. <laughs> Actually, I don't, they don't even say diffuse. They do something else. They like deactivate devices. Yeah, they deactivate He's... tickers. They don't diffuse bombs. He is the best at deactivating devices. He's so good that in the opening scene, setting up how good he is, he realizes it's a decoy, not good enough to like then stop the actual explosion, but enough to be like, oops, and then kind of get out and then a bunch of people die. In an oh yeah. Okay. My first, one of my first notes, it's my, actually my last note on my page, but one of the first <laughs> things I want to mention is in this movie where Steven Seagal is supposed to be like a world-class bomb. I'm just going to say bomb diffuser. I refuse to say, refer to a bomb as a ticker. Uh, in this movie about Steven Seagal, world class like bomb diffuser, he only diffuses like a third of the bombs in this movie. He fails and at diffusing most. I think of the it's bombs less than that. There are movie. so many that blow up, <laughs> and it's very funny because this. We always do this too. We start talking, and then I'm like, "Oh, hey, I have something to say about like the last scene. I have something about the last five minutes." No, you <laughs> gotta just get through it. Just get just, through it because I have a lot to. One just year go. later, we learn yeah. Steven Seagal's not actually the main character of this movie. Tom Sizemore is. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Which we've had our conspiracy theories before. I have my personal pet conspiracy theory for this movie is that while I'm watching, Tom Sizemore is playing a Steven Seagal character. <laughs> that I'm feels about sure right. Yeah. If this originally because no, he's him... way too incompetent. Did you say incompetent or competent? Yeah. Incompetent. Well, okay, but the problem is you have to. We have to think about it. In a Steven Seagal movie, they spend a lot of time saying how great he is, but I don't think this man is actually demonstrably less competent than Seagal. You just don't have as many characters talking about how cool he is. But well, I think that's he's fair, but he also doesn't exactly action. like get things done. <laughs> but, but I mean, more than Seagal does in this movie. But my theory is. Yeah. I don't actually, I don't have an exact theory. I think it's, maybe I just have an observation. It's more of a comment, really. Just that the main character that's not played by Skull, that's played by Tom Sizemore, is basically a Steven Skull character. He's like, you know, DEA, narcotics cop, but he like, you know, doesn't get along with the, he has to do things his own way. Like, you know, he's gruff. He has very questionable interactions with women. Um, he's <laughs> he playing a Skull character. So I don't know if like Skull was demoted for this one, or if it's just the character is that formulaic that at this point now my brain is warped to see it as a small character <laughs> when really it's just generic action movie character. And it's ever been. <laughs> generic action movie character, character in a bad movie is Steven right. Seagal. So is I thought a he had the cornered, but then he got shown up here because while he does end up featuring in the movie, you go long stretches. Of t- like for the first half of the movie, I'm just like, okay, this is a Tom Sizemore movie where occasionally like Steven Seagal shows up to bust his balls. Like that's yeah. all he does for the first like, half of the movie. Pretty much. Um, also, another weird expectation I had about who stars in this movie. When you look at the poster, like, it lists three names. It lists Tom Sizemore, Nas, and Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this movie just like, oh, no. I'm, this is really upsetting because, like, Nas, I will say, is a great rapper. You know, his first album, Illmatic, is legitimately fantastic. Um, he's not a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> He is, we literally saw Steven Seagal team up with a rapper in a previous movie, and I'm not going to say DMX is, like, winning the Oscar. But no, he, but he like, was good. Yeah, he he delivered his lines competently, like, He, like, is playing the character reacted. he's playing. Yeah. He shows up to just be, like, a cool guy in a turtleneck who turns out later to be a dot-com billionaire, and he kind of successfully does that. Nas, no, I'm sorry. 
Zach, you're, um, you're doing it again. You need to get through the, the story okay, of this okay. movie. But I no, can't, the re- I no, honestly, because no, 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 this listen, is the recap. Listen, no, listen, because so, here's the problem. I'm doing the recap. I don't, listen, listen to me. Listen, listen to me. No, listen. <laughs> I don't know what I just watched. I really don't. I just got done watching this, like, right before we started recording. I don't actually know what I watched. I need the plot recap. Just I need you to plot. give me a plot recap. Okay, I'm getting, the reason I say this, the segue here, is that I thought, oh, no, Nas, you're not a good actor. Um, and then he dies. Like, <laughs> less than 15 minutes into the movie. If, the thing is, like, in the credits, he's, like, number five or six. But, like, he's on the poster. When they have three names on the poster, one of them is his. I'm thinking Nas is in this movie. He's in yeah. the... He's not in the first five minutes, and then he's dead by minute 15. Like, I was thinking he was going to be, like, the DMX of this one. Right. And the thing is, having, like, a partner die this early on in the movie is not that weird. It's not that unconventional. But normally, it's not, like, one of the top-billed actors. They have the partner die, and then later, he teams up with Keith David. Yeah. Like, Nas should have been somebody he teamed with later. But he doesn't even hang... He doesn't have a single scene with Seagal, so honestly, he gets out pretty easily on this one. (laughs) Um, Nas plays a character named Fuzzy Who Dies, which really upsets... Tom Sizemore. His name is Ray Nettles. They call him Nettles. I'm just going to call him Tom Sizemore. Um, we do that a lot. We call everybody by the actor name rather than It's much easier name. than trying to remember yeah, all these dumb like, names. Like, okay, it's yeah, they... Nettles and Glass are up against Alex Swan, but like, no, Tom Sizemore is Steven Scholar. Yeah, Scholar. no. No, you're right. For the you're benefit right. of It's just funny to me because it, like, we're, we're talking about all these garbage action movies and it's just easier to call them by their actor names. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay, we're doing it again. Let's get through the plot. Names. Yeah, shut up, Hans. Yeah, <laughs> shut up, Zach. This time. Um, um, after Nas dies, uh, this is where we first encounter the main villain of the film, um, Dennis Hopper. And uh, I'm sorry, again, this is jumping ahead, but we've talked about how much, how many of these Steven Seagal ancillary characters and actors show up in the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> we hit the jackpot on this one. <laughs> I really need to watch this movie. <laughs> That's you, episode 51. I don't know if you do. Like, unless somehow we get to a movie where Bob Hoskins or John Leguizamo show up, which maybe, I won't look it up. I don't want the spoiler. I want to be pleasantly surprised when like, yeah. John Leguizamo shows up on one of these Skull movies. I could look it up now. I won't. No. But unless Bob Hoskins or John Leguizamo show up, we have hit, like, the peak. <laughs> like, the weirdly high peak of this, like, all these characters, like, that all team up, like, Avengers Infinity War style into this, the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. Um, Dennis Hopper is here playing the least convincing Irishman I've ever heard. Irish, like, <laughs> Irishson. Yeah. I, honestly... I'm sorry, I keep diverting, but there's so many. I oh, have so Zach, many. Just get through. No, we thoughts. can talk. We'll talk about it immediately okay. after. Just get through it. You just have to get through it. Okay, Dennis Hopper, but they flee, but they get Jamie Presley, um, the original Margot Robbie. The police manage to take her into custody. She's part of their gang, um, but she's not talking to anyone. She's wearing a weird looking bracelet. The bracelet has a detonation cord and Semtex in it. This is the first time Tom Sizemore and Steven Scott interact, is like Seagal's team telling him this. Yeah. Um, then. It's very weird because Glass, Seagal, initially, like, doesn't, like, is not teaming up at all. He is literally just like, don't come asking me for, like, this movie. So, I, I'm not struggling with the recap. You said you need the recap. I'm struggling with the recap. He's like, like <laughs> because the Seagal's first time Tom, Tom Sizemore comes down, he's like, there's a bomb in the building. And Seagal's like, 
okay, but you de- detective, you detect where the bomb is and then I'll come in. Like he's a bombs expert. <laughs> Sorry, device. He is a demolitions expert. His whole thing is like getting rid of bombs and the guy comes down like there's a bomb in this building and Seagal is like annoyed that this guy would even ask him for help. <laughs> like Seagal spends a good chunk of this movie avoiding the plot. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. He's just like, no, go away. And Tom Sizemore is like legitimately just like, Okay. It's like halfway through this, this movie. One job. Halfway through this movie, you get the cue that that Seagal was like, "All right, I'll actually get yeah. up out of my chair and do the movie." Because that's what happens. He's literally just like chilling in his lab with his you know bros. Um, yeah, he has like his crazy now... NCIS team. Yeah, which this weird quirky team that does not get expanded on as much. No, as um, no. but now a TV he's teamed show. up. So they go and they find a, the classic like movie detective thing. They find a matchbook for a you know a club, and of course, the second they go over to the club, the guy they're looking for is there at that moment. This isn't just some club he went to three weeks ago, um, but he uh, tries to set off a bomb, but they stop him there. Um, they talk to. I almost said Margaret Robbie again. They talk to Jamie Presley again. <laughs> they're like, please, like, no, tell us about the this the IRA that's trying to bomb the, these Northern Irish uh, terrorists that are trying to bomb LA for some reason. Um, uh, oh, they try to like straight up, they're like doing these like random remote bombings. Like again, Steven Skull fails to stop like five bombings. They just keep <laughs> doing these like random sporadic bombing. And then their plan, uh, Dennis Hopper's plan is to like pretend to be Jamie Presley's lawyer and go to the police station, which is very audacious, very bold. The other guy's like, nah, I'm out, screw this, and tries to leave. And I think maybe in the dumbest scene I've ever seen in any movie ever, Seagal manages to stop this guy from blowing up a bomb by, like, kicking the front of his car so the airbag goes off. (laughs) It's... Okay, no, we're not talking... No, moving on. So now, at this point, they've slowly... They've taken out most of the gang... There's, like, three or four people that are involved in this little gang doing their bombing activities. And now that there's just Dennis Hopper left... Um, all of a sudden now they actually have like a whole team of like highly trained like you know terrorist leaders that can like plant their bombs for them <laughs> tons yeah. of them we kind of this is like in the last like 30 minutes of this movie Ice-T shows up as one of out like of nowhere. the goons just out of nowhere in like yep. a cameo role basically and he's like planting like the big super mega bomb <laughs> um, but oh uh, so there Jamie Presley's like okay oh I guess I should say the whole time Dennis Hopper I guess and loves Dennis Hopper's character, loves Jamie Presley's character. So he's like, I did this all for you. You know, I'm doing this all for you. And he's like, you have to release her. I'm going to keep setting the bombs off. That's why they, they keep bombing stuff until they let her out. I think they just wanted an excuse to plant bombs. I think even if they didn't have her, they would have just been doing these bombings. Yeah. But he says, you have an hour. I'll do another bomb. You have an hour. So they let her go with a tracker because she seems to be cooperating. But then, of course, you know, she gets in the car. She throws the tracker away. She's like, okay, no, nah, I'm with you. And then Double, she goes to a phone booth to set causes. off another bomb. But she actually set off, sets off a bomb in the car that Dennis Hopper's in to kill him. Because actually this is all to get revenge for her husband, who is an architect, who designed the wing of City Hall. So now they're going to go blow up City Hall with like a super mega bomb that will like fill the entire air with gases that will kill anyone who breathes, which is almost everyone. Um, <laughs> so they have to stop that. This is like literally at this point now that we are at oh, the first just... time we're... Su- what? <laughs> Nothing. Keep going. We are finally at the point now where Seagal is actually, like, moving around and doing stuff. <laughs> the whole time I'm watching this movie, because, Hans, you've raised this point before, like, there's going to be a point where Seagal runs for the last time. And I was watching this movie thinking, like, okay, I hope he ran at least a little bit in exit wounds, because it might be here. He's just been in a chair the whole time. He 
vaguely he does like two <laughs> seconds of like jogging. So I think we can reset that counter. He technically, you know, he ran. He moves his legs in a speedy manner somewhat. Um, <laughs> we have some very bad, like incredibly bad action doubling for Seagal. Oh man. Oh no. Oh woof. That scene was rough. <laughs> so they so Seagal and Sizemore split up. Um for some reason. Sizemore goes to the basement, Seagal goes to the roof. Um Seagal finds the super mega load of crazy bomb that's gonna kill everything. Sizemore finds another bomb in the basement. And like it's really very weird because they say there's 10 minutes on the timer and then they immediately cut to a timer that has like two minutes on it. Yeah. <laughs> and Seagal literally like, he knows it's a dud. He knows it's the one that Sizemore is encountering. He knows the one in the basement is a dud, a decoy, but he still walks Sizemore through how to disarm it. And then he's like, okay, now I guess I'll deal with the one that's going to kill the whole city. <laughs> like he waits a solid, like, I'm not joking. It's like two, three minutes where he's walking Sizemore through this. And then he's like, okay, that was like, he even says it's a dud, and then he's like, okay, now you're going to take this wire, you're going to cut this wire, brother, you're going to do this. And I'm like, what are we, why would you point out it's a dud and then still have him walk through it? Just, just... and then, oh my god, the most... so of course, okay, last thing, Seagal, of course, he diffuses the biggest device that's going to kill the whole city. I didn't realize how badly you could mess up a bomb, diff... a bomb diffusal scene, because so many, like, generic movies have it done it. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so it was bad incredible. what's amazing here's it here's what it is you know what the funny thing to do is the big climatic bomb that's going to kill the whole city when you finally disarm it don't like show the timer when it stops that's how you make it piss me off <laughs> here's the here's a trick if you want to make it bad is you just have him kind of cut the wire and then just like walk away but like don't actually really act like he just disarmed a bomb like he doesn't want to be here he's phoning it in every single person in this movie is phoning it in and that's it. We're at the end of the movie. It just that's kinda, how it ends. And then the credits it roll. <laughs> like just peters out, <laughs> and it just starts playing like this jazz music over the credits. <laughs> it's garbage. It okay. I'm really jumping. Normally we talk about star ratings at the end. For the past couple weeks, I've been kind of a little. Uh, uh, it's it's really hard to say what's truly the worst Seagal movie. Like I'd probably lean towards Glimmer Man, but at least Glimmer Man has like some kind of entertaining moments. That's no. gone. That's this not is the worst. Anymore. No, this, this was is by far the worst. It is one. Here's the stupid thing. You just ran through that whole like you're you talking about the the plot of this movie sounded like an insane person rambling on the steps of the local library with tinfoil on their head because it's not because it's it's just a bunch of nonsense. And I'm I'm glad that I actually did follow along as well as I thought I did because that's exactly what I thought it was, and I thought I was wrong. No, (laughs) it's just a bad movie. (laughs) It is not a sequential string of events told through narrative cinema. No. (laughs) It is just a thing happens, then, I don't know, I guess another thing happens, and then the character's standing there, and then it's done. Do you want to hear my conspiracy theory? This was written as a season of television in the style of NCIS. (laughs) Okay. And was condensed into a a 90-minute movie. (laughs) I I like that. I could see that because i could i could believe that because so like uh let's talk about St- seagal like, uh, the whole thing this entire podcast is about seagal i let's don't know if you picked up thing. on this yeah, crazy. What, what <laughs> i don't know if you picked up on the fact that this podcast is about steven seagal but let's talk about seagal and his team in this movie like it feels very <laughs> much like a team that you would put together for a tv show about yep, like no. a bomb defusal no, team that, yeah. like there's the like every character in that group hits some sort of like quota for a tv show in that vein okay except i will say but the we don't get anything about team them. with like the 
there's the woman with like the dyed hair and she's talking yeah. on the phone and she's like yeah i was at the concert and i was making out with this guy and then like my lip ring got stuck in his earring okay anyway i'll talk to you later mom yeah i'm like that was peak <laughs> that was too much whatever her character is i know the yeah. character they're trying to make i've yes. seen this character on tv it was like too much of that yeah in that one scene there yes <laughs> they need um, to turn her down and that's like the only line she has in the movie knows too much but they feel like a late 90s, early 2000s, like hack the planet is what I was thinking of. Yeah. Or hackers. When... No, I think like the NCIS comparison is also very valid. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking the entire time. Mm-hmm. No, that yeah. I, I could 100% buy that theory. That even if it like at, at one, no point was going to be produced as a TV show, that like yeah. some kind of spec script was written with like the pilot yeah. of a show in mind. Yeah, and I can and see they, that. They right. couldn't, well, so like my theory is maybe they were thinking about it as a TV show. And someone thought that we're just not going to get a fun, like, Seagal's not going to sit down for a TV show. Or, like, we're not going to get... Seagal's not going to stand up for a TV show. Seagal will sit down. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to dedicate himself to one project for that long. Although, in that case, but now I'm picturing this, like, police squad. Mm -hmm. And Nas is, like, the, like, special guest star that dies during the opening credits joke. Yes. (laughs) Special guest Nas! And then you just see him immediately die. No, okay, so it's actually really funny that you say that, because I had a, a, I was thinking about Police Squad for this movie as well. And you remember, somewhere in there, uh, Tom Sizemore goes to, to visit this, like, homeless woman to get information oh, about something. Oh, it's the guy that's it's the shoe shine. It's Johnny, it's Johnny, it's the, the shoe it's Johnny. guy. Oh my God, so you're like, right. Out of, out of nowhere, I don't know why, but out of nowhere, he goes, because he needs information on, like, the, the car they were driving or something. So he goes to visit this... I, I don't know if she was a homeless woman or not. Kind of looked like the character was supposed to be, but I don't know. Yeah, she's and kind of like walks an informant. Up, yeah, and asks her, like, you know, did you see anything? And then she starts reciting off license plate numbers uh, and car mo- models of the car that they were driving so that he can go track them. Just like this, like, all-knowing woman person that just was able to give him no. the exact information that he needed at the time. And the only thing I could think was, this is supposed to be like an action movie with with some kind of with drama and, like... I, I don't know, and I'm well, sitting here thinking like this is just police squad. This is when <laughs> this is when a fireman comes over and says like you know there's a fire down the block and it slips Johnny a dollar and he says mm-hmm. okay I need you to bring uh, this particular kind of fire suppressant because it's a furniture warehouse and there will be lots of like smoke from the yeah. whatever I, I I don't know I just no, it is 100 percent that you're not wrong it was or, ridiculous if we're gonna give them a little bit more credit it's a Sherlock Holmes reference. Why would you watch this movie and want to give anybody credit? <laughs> I I understand what you're saying because yeah. Sherlock Holmes is also like you look at him and he's like oh he's just like you know this drug addict it's like you know he can barely hold himself together and then he's ooh I can tell by the uh, angle of the eclipse at this. Well, time. no, like I what he does in some of the stories is he like goes up to homeless people and he uh, talks okay, to them okay. and gets information about what's going on in in London by talking to homeless people. Yeah, no, you're that's right. Fair so they could also be going for that but it's very weird because you see her for like four seconds earlier in this movie yeah yeah there is a little bit of a setup any, like he doesn't even have an intuition like maybe we'll go talk to her he just happens to walk down the alley where she is and then yeah. she tells him like oh he was on this she he does she does like a rain man and it's just like oh it was like this license plate on this car but at this day they turned it in for a rental now they have this car with this license plate like yeah yeah well and i don't even think we've said before that when like the when the scenes don't really line up, when the story doesn't really make sense as a, as a whole, but when you take into consideration that there were probably scenes in there, probably mm-hmm. other bits of the movie that were cut out to, to appease Seagal's ego, like that's been our running theory. I don't even yeah. think you could make that that call with this one no. because there's not a whole lot of Seagal in it. And the parts that have him in it do, they, I mean, 
I say they flow. In the context of this terrible movie, they flow. They don't really flow. But there's not any... There's no missing context there. The missing context is all stuff around Tom Sizemore's character. Okay, wait, Hans. Do you want me to blow your mind real quick? Let's hear it. I just scrolled over to a certain IMDb.com, and the first piece of trivia that I see is that the director, Albert Pune, hates the film and has publicly apologized for it several times. (laughs) He goes... He goes on to say, "That's I mean that's obvious. Anyone should apologize." That's just, you know, that's not the fact. Wait, the you say this fact, is the, the director? Trivia. Yeah, yeah, the director is apologized. The director is apologized for this film. But, l- listen, listen, I need to. I'm, I'm addressing your previous point. Um, he says that the studio cut off funds halfway through shooting, and then they just like <laughs> took the movie from him and spliced in archive footage that they had. Okay, that makes perfect wow. sense because okay because damn okay. I I thought something like that had happened, and here's why: the first bomb defusal scene has multiple shots of completely different bombs passed off as the same yes. bomb. Okay, yes. and I have something to add to that. Like it, shot that I in different I aspect ratios, like it's it's different lighting, it's completely different. It actually makes a lot of sense now that you say that as well, because one of my notes here, um, you said that. Uh, Jamie Presley, when she's like released and she gets the the ankle bracelet or whatever, the tracker off, and she's driving away with uh, Dennis Hopper, and then she goes and gets out of the car and like makes Dennis Hopper think she's going to blow up something else, mm-hmm. but she actually blows up his car, right? When he picks her up, they're driving a yes. BMW 3 Series. It's a 323i, or I don't know, it doesn't matter. They're driving a BMW, like a relatively new car yeah. for the time of this movie. And then when she blows up that car, it's like an old 80s, old, it's like an Oldsmobile yep. or something. It's an entirely different car, different grill, different doors, different everything. And you only see it for a split second, and then it explodes. But it like that actually makes a lot of sense. If they didn't have the footage of a, of a three series exploding, they just kind of spliced in an old car exploding. So this is something now that we've learned this fact. Now I'm like going back and thinking about things because the whole time I'm noticed, I'm just like shots aren't connecting into one another. <laughs> no, and not I, at all. And I know the way movies work. You can have like a character look at an object. You can have a close up of that object, and that close up could have been filmed five thousand miles away, like on a studio yeah. lot. Like I understand it's all fake, but normally like the point of a movie is you don't fully realize that yeah the, the constantly throughout this entire movie you're noticing things like those like continuity errors but also just like weirdly repeated footage yeah weirdly footage like scenes yep. it, not even scenes just like shots within scenes that don't connect to one another like a character like pointing to the you know let's just say like pointing to the left shooting a gun and then it just like cuts back to him and he's just running like to the right like just yeah. completely opposite direction yep but it's funny now i I feel like I do not want to rewatch this movie, no. but now knowing <laughs> this, I feel like I would like like would pick up on even like so many more of those. Um, I also just see here the final helicopter slash rooftop sequence consists almost entirely of footage from The Peacekeeper, a 1997 film. They just had to splice in just like stuff from other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes that tracks, yeah. Oh, interesting. He also says in apparently in the commentary track for the DVD. They, the studio took the film from him and huh. edited it into, quotes the Steven Seagal action film they wanted. Oh. <laughs> oh. Also, scenes from Sweepers 1998 were spliced into the film in the opening sequence. Okay, so I had, the whole time I'm watching this movie, especially for that, like for every scene, but especially the action scenes, we've talked before how there's like these continuity errors, like Steven Seagal picks up a gun and then and when we were watching, um, what was the last one that we did? Uh, Exit Wounds. Yeah. He, like, yeah. in the opening scene, like, picks up a gun, and then, like, he was holding another gun. But yeah, it was, it was like, an entirely different gun. for the gun he's not holding. Yeah. yeah. 
but this takes it to a whole other level. Um, I was like the whole time watching the action scene, I'm like, I have no idea what is happening. <laughs> we do not have a clear image of these people fighting these people. It is just unconnected montages of people firing guns in literally so, yeah. a different direction every single shot. That I makes was, a lot more sense. They're literally it really does because I was confused. One of my notes here is that the hey, did where... you know this was filmed in twelve days? <laughs> twelve days. <laughs> Okay, also, I know you're going to say something else, but also real quick. So when you mentioned that scene where uh, Dennis Hopper and Jamie Presley are, like, in the car at the same time. Yeah. And you mentioned, like, they get in a car and then another car explodes. Yeah. I actually, when you first started saying that, what I thought you were going to say is the thing that I noticed, which really sticks out, is have you ever, can you think of the last time you watched a movie where two characters are riding in a car together, having a conversation for, like, more than a minute long, and you don't see a single shot. Like, you do not have both of them in the same shot at any point. <laughs> like, while I'm watching this, it is just, like, it is literally this character profile, this character profile. They are Back not Back and forth. With the and worst like, green screen you can possibly imagine. The absolute, of, like, like shot, shot around them from the outside of the car as the car is moving. Like, 2006 YouTube green screening. And so I had a theory that, like, Dennis Hopper and Jamie Presley shot that scene separately. It's even worse. Oh my gosh, this is the treasure trove of IMDb trivia. Everything here is gold. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Dennis Hopper was on set for one day, and he <laughs> never met Tom Sizemore, Steven Seagal, or Jamie Presley once on sets. Oh what? My gosh. I had the theory like, oh, they weren't in the car for the same scene. They weren't in any scene together. Dang. That's amazing. He did not interact with any of the other main characters in person. Um, Steven Seagal filmed his scenes in six days. I believe that. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> I... Man. That's... The, this is behind wild. The scenes trivia is making this make so much more sense. Because what I was going to say, that when I first started watching, I had the thought, like, this has a very weird pacing. Like, it honestly, while I was watching, at first I was thinking it kind of felt like a student film. Mm. When, yeah. like, just, it's hard to describe, but just the flow of it's off. Like, a character just yeah. says something, and then there's, like, a weird pause, and then they, like, get up and, like, walk away. Like, it's a very, like, student film style editing. And then the more I watched, I thought it had kind of soap opera a feeling. Like kind of a soap opera editing. Kind like of a television yeah. and like line feel. delivery. <laughs> yeah. But I guess know what it is, is it's more of a they filmed half of a movie in twelve days and then had to splice <laughs> it together with other movies and archival footage feeling. That's what it feels to like. Make it work, yeah. There's no, a so it feels like that. It's really it and this is another note that I took down why I was so confused in the beginning. And it's exactly what you said. All the gunfights in the beginning don't make any sense. Like no. you don't know who's fighting it's who. It's just guns being fired. And more than that, what I was confused about the most, that, that makes perfect sense now, it's supposed to be the senator's house, right? It's his mansion. Yes. But they're walking through, like, these massive, like, restaurant kitchens. They go down into the basement where Seagal's in the basement, and it's like an industrial building's basement with, like, a, a massive, like, a crazy amount of, uh, of, like, water pipes and stuff. And, like, like nothing a hotel that you, even or something. It, yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm not explaining it very well, but nothing that you would see in even the biggest of residential homes. Like this is something that you would see in a commercial building, and then they they go up to the uh, you know, whoever's holding the senator hostage, and it's in just like a house, and it yeah. just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But now now it makes sense. Well, and <laughs> so also very like similarly, also at the end when they say they're going to city hall, and then they're in a skyscraper to like. <laughs> Well, and like yep. in that opening scene, yep. like the terrorists, some of them were wearing masks and some are not. Yeah. 
like that. And, and, well, this happens later on when the helicopter's and, coming to the building yeah. and the fireman. Yeah. You can't tell who's who because they're all just dressed in different costumes. Yeah. Right, and it makes it, when yeah. you said earlier in your b- before movies. we started reading this this treasure trove, as you said, uh, you said that like inexplicably, all of a sudden they have their their team multiplies like crazy. They have guys yeah. everywhere. Well, now we know they don't. <laughs> it was just pulled from other. <laughs> like movies. literally, that just Ice T shows up. Um, okay two big things the worst part is i had so much to say that i I hadn't even looked at the imdb trivia until we started recording here but now all i want to talk about is the imdb trivia um in the original version steven skull's character was just a figment of tom sizemore's imagination (laughs) that he created to help himself cope with his fear of bombs he has a fear of bombs by the way i don't know if i said this tom sizemore's wife and kid were killed Tom Sizemore, I guess, has a fear of bombs, so he imagines Steven Skull's character to help walk him through it. Is that what um, ha- also... is that, Was that in the movie? That he has no. this fear of bombs? Oh, no. um... I well, mean, I everyone has so. a fear of bombs. It's a bomb. <laughs> it's not... Yeah, he doesn't have a fear of bombs. He's just... He, it's he's a bomb. He's fearful of a thing that will explode. Me. Yeah. Guess what? I also have a fear of bombs. <laughs> I think every person does. Well, in the first scene where... The first scene where Tom Sizemore, like, meets Steven Seagal, he, he goes down to their office or whatever, and they're not there, so the receptionist sends them out to wherever they are on site defusing a bomb. And he just walks into the bomb yeah. defusal van, interrupts what and they have going on. Mid-conversation, mid-defusal. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're in the middle of doing their thing. He just walks in and says, here, analyze this for me. But uh, he just, like, walks on site, walks right into a bomb defusal van, and there's While a they're... bomb, like, 20 feet outside the defusal yeah. van. No. So you, they definitely you... did not address any fear of bombs in this guy's character. You can definitely see the remnants of this because, like, his wife and kid are killed by a bomb. So, like, they they make some kind of connection there. And yeah. Then, like, they're killed by a, in a car bombing, and then, like, bombs are happening in this movie. But he doesn't seem to have an irrational fear where he needs to invent Steven Scott to overcome him. Yeah. Although, speaking of talking about just... So we've talked about splicing footage in. I think some of the funniest moments are when they just like have clearly don't have enough footage. So they just yeah. have to keep replaying the same footage. <laughs> yeah. The scene where his wife and kid die was not oh supposed to be funny. But no. it was the funniest part of this movie. No, because they played it like 18 times. And it was the same exact thing, just on loop. And it's it's just it, this weird kind of off-putting, almost like Lynchian cadence to it. Oh. Yeah, it's not just they keep well, replaying it, was, it. It's like weird because then it, like they do fade transitions and then back to this, and it's like I think what it was it was it's like you know the the um like medical commercials that mm, that we yeah. see all the time that aren't sh- they're shot in such a way that they're slowed down like two percent. So they mm. play just a little bit slower yeah. than they should, but they that's look not the only like time it happens in this movie. Yeah, they look like crazy smooth. In this movie, that's how that scene was every time. And that's why it was funny to me because it, it played just like a little bit slower than it should, except they didn't shoot it with cameras that could do that. So when they slowed it down, you just saw the frame jumps. Which has <laughs> happened in like half of these movies. Yeah. You have these weird little <laughs> slow mo bits that were shot at 24 frames. So now you're getting like 20 frames a second. Yeah, and it's just off putting. <laughs> but also, like, there's no. It's very like James Cameron's Avatar 2, The Way of Water, you oh, know, God. Dolby Cinema release, where I can't figure out the rhyme or reason to the adjusted frame rate. Because like, it happens in this scene, which I kind of get where they're going for. But later on, there's a scene where like a police car pulls up to a building, and just like this shot of the police car's lights going, it's yep. like le- it's like less than two seconds. I that one's exactly also what weirdly about. Like, PowerPointed. Yeah. There's no reason for it. Nope. Like, nope. I can't figure out the arbitrary nature of it. But more importantly, so that scene it's it's just very weird like you have to even if you don't see the movie you have to go watch the scene where his kids die the part <laughs> actually so while i'm watching i'm just like kind of weirded out like this is shot and edited and put together like this is very strange 
especially because it's like they're both walking to the car and like the kid turns around and waves at him and a whole bunch of times a whole bunch of times but also like i don't even the the kid's face is just interesting i don't know what facial like i'm not blaming this on the kid at all i'm not saying like he's a bad actor or anything like we've seen literally two seconds of this kid and he does i'm sure given what he was given he does as best of a job as he could whoever this kid is I'm, i don't know what direction he was given the he's just making a weird facial expression that i, I can't decipher now because it's not just like a smile it's not just like okay bye like he's like this weird strange like face but he turns and waves the wife like turns and waves the kid turns and waves again they cuts them walking away the wife turns and waves again they're walking away the kid waves again they cuts them walking and then like the mom and the kid high five and at that moment i busted out laughing because <laughs> I'm, I'm like what the hell is going on <laughs> I've been thinking about this whole movie, and then I got here, and my what the hell's going on went up. Like, it feels like if 100%. you watch like a dark comedy or something, and right yeah. before someone dies, they're like, oh, I love you, Dad, and I will never leave you. Nothing bad will ever happen. Let's high five. Um, yeah, I, it, I like I can't even think of like the movie reference. Like, I, There is a movie reference. There's something that does this like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm off to go get killed or something. Like some kind <laughs> yeah. of joke. I'm picturing basically like um, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, mm-hmm. when the person gets like sliced in half and like he's just sitting there like as an upper half of a person talking for like a full like five minutes. <laughs> I'm basically picturing like, wrong kid, dad, the whole time I'm watching this. Because mm-hmm. I like, is this play for laughs? Were they shooting this scene and they're like, okay, now a silly one. Just a high <laughs> um, but, and then that comes back later when he flashes back to this again. It like, again, it loops the same footage like 15 times just in like random order. <laughs> But also more importantly, you know how we discussed for like the first two thirds of this movie, Seagal is just like sitting in the chair, putting in like exactly zero effort. And then we get to the end of the movie and he puts in maybe 10% effort. (laughs) Yeah. Steven Seagal did not want to do a fight scene for the film, but very late into the production, the production company decided that they needed a martial arts scene to sell it. Seagal reluctantly did it, but was very annoyed as the company did not want to pay for his stunt crew. (laughs) Okay. Steven. Everything about this movie makes perfect sense now. Steven. I was... This was like, this was what the hell the movie. Like, I was like, what is this movie? It makes so much more sense now. But it's still just a trip to watch. Steven, listen to, listen to me, Steven. You listen are the martial arts action star. Like, that is <laughs> your whole bit. Um, actually, Jackie Chan is the martial arts action star. Okay, but like, actually, no Bruce one. Lee is the martial I'm very arts sorry that you have actually, to hear this. No, because anybody's going to. I'm very. Well, star. what I want to say anybody's is. Anybody's going to jump in on that and, actually, and, and say that to Steven Seagal, and Steven Seagal is going to say, no, they're faking it. That's true. They but don't actually say, do that stuff. He is the Aikido action star. Steven, <laughs> Steven, I know. I hate to break it to you. No one watches your movies because of your acting, they just don't. That's no, not Steven, your strong suit because of the Aikido That's okay. Steven, I hate to break it to you. No one watches your movies. But, like, <laughs> you can't we'll walk onto a movie and say, I'm not going to do an action scene. He you're didn't walk into a movie. Seagal. He rolled onto a movie. He did not leave his chair. You're Steven Seagal. You have to do an action scene. That's, like, the whole point of getting you for these movies. In, in fairness, he did sign up for a movie where he was supposed to be, like, the imaginary character of Tom Sizemore so that he would not be afraid of bombs. <laughs> That's like, what I was going to say. I, I do not often say in Steven Seagal's defense, but in Steven Seagal's defense, this was not a martial arts action thriller. They said, we're having a movie where Tom Sizemore is a cop. Will you show up as like his imagination that never has to leave the chair? And Steven Seagal says, I never have to leave the chair, but, and then they changed the switcheroo <laughs> on him. So I can kind of understand that. Okay. Yeah. But at least now it makes sense as to why that, uh, that fight sequence is so bad. Like not his fight sequences typically aren't good. But this one in particular was just the worst. 
Okay, real quick, I'm sorry. At some point, I'm going to stop mining the IMDb trivia page for gold, <laughs> but the gold is still coming. I found a rich vein. I can't I'm getting, support your I'm theory. I'm getting close that to was, the end of my list, so we can keep rolling. I can't rolling. support your theory that this was supposed to be like an NCIS TV show, but in the late 90s, this was originally supposed to star Chuck Norris as a TV movie for Turner Broadcasting. That <laughs> works so well. That in my makes mind. so much it's, more sense. Everything about this, it's all, it's all coming together. <laughs> it's all, I can feel the like. You, you dumped out the puzzle box of this movie and all the pieces are there and it's not forming. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. The puzzle's assembling. Um, we're finding the edge bits. <laughs> yeah. We, at, we're, we're, start, we're moving towards center. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Hans, like, I know last episode I complained about exit wounds where, like, they would have him do, like, some weird kind of, like, flip to the side and kick a guy with both legs and then he stands up and his arms have not left his side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you thought that was bad, this is great because you literally just see arms flailing and then they cut to Steven Seagal's face with a completely different lighting and background than where, <laughs> yeah. like, and then back to the arms and legs filling, and then back to his face, like. And those cuts are so, it's like such an so odd hard. smash cut because it's oh. the cut of the action so that you're, you're not supposed to be able to tell that it isn't actually Seagal doing it. The cut of the action is like a half second, and then you spend two seconds on Seagal's face. <laughs> yes. And then a half second of action, and then two seconds on Seagal's face. And it's the most, it's so weird. <laughs> It's incredibly jarring. That's why this movie hurt me. This movie, I felt, <laughs> I, I felt that this movie got, did violence to me. Yeah, really, like, that bad? It was, I now is. I had a horrid time watching this. I have, I have one last thing, and then I think I'm, I don't, I, that exhausts my list here. Okay. Um, we were, we made police squad reference earlier. Uh, this movie made me think of Archer, a lot. Okay. But I think the most <laughs> was when. <laughs> He's walking, uh, Seagal's walking Tom Sizemore through defusing the fake bomb in the basement, which is already a pointless endeavor, as you already said. But as he's doing it, he's talking him through defusing this bomb as if it's like a known product. I don't know. How oh, else yeah. To say that he's it. like, oh, yeah, he's, if you feel the back, it'll have this thing. And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm you know, sure? just, just mo- move your thumbs slightly to the right. As though every single one of this kind of bomb is wired exactly the same. Every it's like single a, a... improvised explosive device uses the same case in construction. <laughs> exactly. And he talks about the colors of the wire, even though Tom Sizemore can't see them. He's, like, trying to to feel for it with his hand. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And the only thing I could think of is the one, there's a, an Archer episode early oh, on where they're on the blimp. And <laughs> uh, Ray is back at the office and he's walking Archer through defusing the bomb over the radio. <laughs> yes i'm not even gonna try to to explain that scene just go watch it because it's fantastic it's like also literally like the second episode of the tv show yeah so you don't have to get that far um and it's also 11 times better 100 times better than this bomb defusal scene in ticker (laughs) also just that like the entire time again when we talk about like reused footage like it's just they're just going to tom sizemore's face they're having Seagal say something, and then they're going to a random unconnected shot of Tom Sizemore's hand. And, like, he'll say, like, oh, move your hand to the left, and he'll, like, the it hand will be moving to the right. It's, like, does, it's not no, at all doing he what says, He says, move your thumb slightly to the right, is what the yeah. line is. Because that's where I was like, how is he? How does he know? There's this. It's complete nonsense. Obviously, complete nonsense. And then the line is, move your thumb slightly to the right, and he doesn't. He moves his index finger and his middle finger to the left. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, and that's, like, that entire last scene, which, again, is being done for nothing, no reason. 
I have a couple of notes that um, one mystery. It. One mystery that I want you to help me solve: Why are half of the characters wearing leather jackets <laughs> in L.A.? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I don't have an answer to that again, one. Again, it's like Seagal just shows up and I just thought this guy's acting the head, but no, it's like everyone. Like, uh, Dennis Hopper is also wearing, like, they're all... Also, okay, we need to... We haven't gone... Everyone's in a leather enough. jacket. I'm sorry, Dennis Hopper, overall, I'm not going to say he's a bad actor. He's been in some truly great films. The whole time... We just keep thinking of, like, references to other things this movie is making us think of, like, Police Squad, Archer, everything. The whole time I'm watching this, I just keep thinking of that Family Guy joke where, like, Liam Neeson doing a cowboy accent. <laughs> because i guess that's what that's the thing about this movie is ordinarily like we would say like those weird skullisms but like other characters are like doing their own thing and sometimes they can redeem the movie sometimes they can't the skullisms are extending to the other characters in this movie they're all wearing the dumb <laughs> leather coats yeah and like they're all like they just he just chooses when to have an irish accent or not and there's no consistency <laughs> to it no. but even when he's trying to have the irish accent he's like i am an irish terrorist and i am going <laughs> to blow you up <laughs> he does like overpronounce everything on purpose so i'm thinking of that but there's also oh what is it at one point like i think maybe the funniest line that dennis hopper delivers was like when his partner is like no nah, i'm out of here jk like you know i'm betraying you or whatever he does something like i offered you fame and glory and being something bigger like it, the delivery of it is wild. what are they even uh, trying to accomplish like i never quite figured that out I her, her husband was well, killed. We know Jamie Presley's motivation. What are the what's what is IRA this terrorist like, organ? What is the IRA doing in, in yeah. Los Angeles? They Dennis Hopper's in love with Jamie Presley. That's it. But so he blows up buildings. Yep, that's the that is literally the only connection. There isn't another one. I genuinely so this movie came out in two thousand one. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the period of history in Ireland known as the Troubles. Yeah. I when I saw when I pulled this up on Plex and I saw the description and it was like Northern Irish terrorist room. I was like, oh, this movie. Oh, in, interesting choice. This movie's going places. And it wasn't an interesting choice. It doesn't matter. What the hell <laughs> it doesn't it have anything, anything to do with, to do with it, it at all. They, they could be from literally anywhere in the entire world. It would change nothing about this movie. They're yeah. the least convincing Irishman doing something that has absolutely nothing to do with being Irish. Yeah. Aaron, what else you got on your list? Um, I I asked myself, is this movie censored? The audio cut out for a second during there like a couple parts. Like it sounded mm. like a character was like you could have inserted a curse word into a couple moments where like the audio cut out weirdly. Maybe I don't know. There were also just some parts what? where it definitely felt like they were overdubbing characters, like yeah. they didn't say anything. So I just think that's probably funky editing. I don't think it was censored. Uh, there were definitely enough, some this is like, hmm? I don't think it's like fairly tame as far as yeah, it is. Go, that there's not a lot of swearing. No, it is actually that's a good point because I just looked up at Plex and I seen it. It's rated R, but I don't, I didn't. I don't know why it would. There be. wasn't anything in here. There wasn't even any blood. Anybody who got shot, like they did the the like old timey, yeah. oh, hand over the chest and like writhe in pain, but there was no fake blood no, or anything. I'm actually really. Sh- it, I don't really think anybody swore. No. Why is it rated R? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty solid PG thirteen. This one sucked. This is a bad movie. This was just okay. a really. I have two more notes. This is just a wait, bad. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, hold on. Let me. I need to try to get the intonation rights. Oh, uh, of Dennis Hopper. <laughs> okay, one second. This makes. I offered great. you a chance to be part of history and fame and fortune, you fool. That really <laughs> stuck out. His delivery there. <laughs> really 
Dennis captured Hopper. Dennis Hopper there. I I really captured you know King Koopa himself, Dennis Hopper. Oh. We're gonna have to do it, Hans. I hope you know there's gonna be we're gonna have to do a bonus episode where we talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. That's oh, I'm hundred percent on board. I need to watch it. I we've talked about it so much, and I didn't even know it was a thing until a couple episodes in. I kept asking you. You said live action Super Mario's. And I said I don't know why this is such a bad like a terrible thing, and then I was informed. <laughs> That this is a oh. universally known, oh yeah, the worst movie ever. <laughs> yeah, but and like, but it's kind of like when, uh, in the explosion of Pompeii, when like all the dust settles and like the dead bodies then like over time like disappear, so you have like the gaps where like bodies used to be. So ordinarily, we're talking about the body when we're doing the Stephen Scott movie. We need to talk about the weird kind of hollow like lack of the body, like the, yeah. the non Seagal, but in all ways forming the outline of Seagal movie that is the Super Mario Brothers live action film. Like, there are so many connections here. It's eerie. It is weird. Um, oh, I have a couple more notes. Even, yeah. yeah um, sorry. One of them, less serious, one of them a little bit more serious. Um, a little bit less serious. The opening, like, just the title opening. Like, was there, I feel like there was a monologue or something at the beginning of the movie. Was there? Was there? I don't think so. Like some sort of voiceover I, or something? I don't have the don't page open so. anymore, but I'm pretty sure there was like an IMDb trivia page that they originally wanted to have a voiceover. Okay, because um, that's what it Sizer. felt like. So the opening scene that like terrorists and whatever, I wrote down, it feels like a video game intro. Mm. Intro from okay. like, if you go to an arcade and they have like yeah. that Terminator Judgment Day, like stand up shooter with a big fake plastic gun. Yeah, I mean the it, best arcade game ever made. It, yeah, Sorry, it felt like that. Too. Second, second best arcade game. Yeah, it felt like that. <laughs> like, that's what the first five minutes of this movie felt like to me. There was, I can't remember where it was, there was another point that it did make me consciously think, like, this feels like an early 2000s video game cutscene. Yeah. Like, the way the character says, okay, now you will go do that. Yes, no, so, like, like it, so- it told you, and this this is what we're going to accomplish on this mission. Are you ready? Beep, 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 boom, boom, boom. Like, it just... Insert more, <laughs> insert more credits. Yeah. His wife ran out of quarters. Has, uh... An 18% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, I'm not too surprised. High. Oh, and then, okay, so just full disclosure, I watched this movie like two weeks ago, so I don't remember a whole lot. My last note, uh, I have Seagal got to preach, so good for him, I guess. But I, I so what, did he preach about something? Oh, at the end of he, this? so he has like two moments. Oh, okay. At the very end. Well, he also has one like relatively early on, kind of like similar to the like "Ow, my balls! What does it take to change a man?" scene. And he and Tom Sizemore like have yeah. one of their first like. He's like, "Are you familiar uh, with like the twelve steps to enlightenment?" Like yeah. that's the first time it happens. Uh, and then, that's that's yeah. when they're they're talking about the. We don't call them bombs. We call them tickers. It's that yeah. that conversation, right? Where he says, "You like you have to calm down. You have to learn to." To yeah. roll with the Zen or some other garbage like and that, and then he does it, he does it again at the end, like with like yeah. Big okay. No, because he says something about to, uh, you have to learn that uh, what is it? You have to learn that life, like death, isn't the end. Life is just uh, a stage on the playground or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember like the exact words. Well, but yeah, he basically it's... tells Tom Sizemore that his wife and and child aren't dead, and that he can talk to them. Some sort of well, in okay, but if this whole time. Seagal was a figment of his imagination. That would make more sense. That would make sense. Would <laughs> yeah. make He's like sense. a ghost, a bomb defusal ghost. Well, because there, it's kind of what you're thinking of is at the end. It's kind of split up when he first starts talking, like to Tom Sizemore, like, yeah. "How do I do this? I can't, I can't do this. I have an irrational fear of bombs. Yeah, I don't know right. how That's to defuse this bomb." And yeah. Seagal says, "Like." End. You need to you you need to calm down. You need to accept. And then, like afterwards, he's like he says something like, "If you try and reach out, you can talk to them." Yeah. Yeah. That's it. 
it's so as they're like literally walking off into like the sunrise it's really yeah. weird yeah um, ooh, ooh. so gaul definitely tries to talk like a black man in this movie again it's uh, strange every time it's really weird brother and like my man like it's is this the start of the brother no he he did that in some of his earlier movies I this did is he? i think yeah I want to say I'll have to go back and like re-listen, but I want to say he doesn't do it before. Hey, I want you to search the IMDb trivia for this because I think I found a piece of interesting trivia, but I don't know for sure. I don't know <laughs> if this is real, but just something that I noticed when I was watching it. So there's a scene where they go to like a, a club and there's like a jazz yeah. band playing. Oh yes, I'm pretty sure one of them is Seagal with like a fake mustache. <laughs> yes, yeah, he's got like a fake goat, like a fake. That's like soul not patch him. goatee. No, it is. Hans, do you want to know what pisses me off? Hans, do you want to know what made me so mad when I sit through this entire piece of <laughs> movie and then I'm watching through the credits because, you know, maybe there's an end credit scene. I got to watch through the credits to play this music. And then I see blues band guitar, Steven Slowhand Seagull. I got it. Serious? I got it. I knew it. Are you serious? I knew it. I feel so valid. Seagull. I oh feel so validated. God. He was playing his own music up there. And oh my first God. of all, um, the Jazz Cap Blues Bar is originally supposed to be a strip club. Steven Seagal opted for the change by claiming that many of his past movies had featured strip club scenes. Surprising. Like, like yeah. Actually, actually yeah. Straight that's on his wow, that's a... Like, that's fine. I'm okay with that. A good um, choice? What? And then in the scene what? in the Jazz Cap Bar, <laughs> Steven Seagal is one of the members of the live band wearing a cowboy hat. Uh, sunglasses and a fake beard even that though that's not, not a cowboy hat, hat. that's like that's a trilby like a so i'm sorry uh yeah it's like a weird i don't know what it is but i'm sorry Looks like I'm it's made out of plastic wrong. i wonder if i can edit this <laughs> sunglasses and a fake beard even though he also appears in the scene as his character glass yep so no that no you i didn't realize i was him when i watched but then i saw it in the credits so you realized it was him yeah that no that that made me so mad because he's the only he's only on screen as slow hand i guess for like i didn't even notice three that's, seconds that's upsetting maybe. to me well because it's even it's at the it's like but it's like this happens you see him there uh-huh. in this like screenshot that i put in the chat and then like you see seagal and sizemore like getting seated at their table and yeah. like even when they cut back to the band you don't cut back he's to not anything. there i had to like rewind it and rewatch a couple times because same. No, same i'm like is that was that was that him was that steven yeah. that's really irritating i hate it this movie sucked. Uh, this movie the problem, was really like, bad. The thing is, bad if it was movie. An act- I admit that I'm a hypocrite. If it was an actor that I liked and, like, you know, they appear, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're watching, uh, what is it, uh, Bruce Almighty, and then, like, during the, like, ending scene, Jim Carrey is, like, appearing, like, in the back as, like, a firefighter doing funny faces, that's kind of funny. That's charming. Like, you're okay with it. Like, yeah. when characters do just, like, when actors do these fun little cameos, but if I hate the person, then it makes me mad. It makes me so irrationally mad. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying we... to so I didn't take notes but I did just watch this movie an hour ago I didn't want to like put anything in the chat like you know I didn't want to influence the perception before we got here but that movie finished and I was thinking oh that sucked that blue <laughs> I yeah right here with the you. worst Seagal movie we've seen so far easily um, yeah easily. I can only think worst. it's a re- I'm not gonna say it's the worst movie I've ever seen it's a real contender it's probably in the top five for like just absolute worst like movies I've ever seen in my life yeah oh, uh, it... <sighs> I don't even know how to put this. I like I we don't we we've already gone on for long enough. We don't have time to dive into like all of oh, the, all the, the casting the crew. Keep going. I'm just saying there's we have we have Dennis Hopper in here. We already talked about that. We have Tom Sizemore, Super Jamie Mario Presley, Star, obviously. Hopper. But then we also have uh Okay, who we was do need it? to point out Jamie Presley. She set the mold for the Samara weavings. She set the mold and then broke it for 
you know, uh, why am I blanking her name again? Barbie. Uh, Margot Robbie. She sent them all. She was the original Margot Robbie. Jamie Presley, I'm so sorry that you were in this. Absolutely deserved better and got better after this, which is good. Uh, Peter Green was a weird one to see, and you saw him a lot. Um, Joe Spano saw him a good bit in the fair in the beginning, too. Again, nice team. That was a weird one. And actually, we've been talking about NCIS a lot. Joe Spano was the, mm, I don't know, director, I guess, of NCIS for a good many seasons. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. And then Ice-T out of nowhere. <laughs> like, just for like a split second. Yeah. Again, just continuing the tradition of, of like weirdly big name celebrities in early Steven Seagal movies. Um, the guy who did the music for this, Serge Colbert, or Sir, Serge Colbert, I don't know if he pronounces it like the American comedian. Um, he's best known for the film scores. Like the American comedian. The talk show host. He's best known. They just list the body and derailed here, and then also film trailers and the Mission Impossible original nineteen sixty six TV series. Um, he has a very short. His like Wikipedia page is like one sentence. Oh, yeah. This one feels like it just does. It, it doesn't have a whole lot of like. It has people who went on to do bigger things, but it, this doesn't feel as like interesting as as past. Was movies. this? No, no, it really doesn't. It it's not. It's just yeah, worse all the, around. It's just a bad movie. <laughs> even it's the director, bad movie. Even the director of this, who like apologized for how bad it was, like the other stuff he did was like Blood Match and Kickboxer Two and Brain Smasher, a love story, and Hong Kong '97. Like, like when David Lynch apologized for Dune, at yeah. least he's David Lynch. Like, yeah. <laughs> he went I don't think out. I don't think still... we should look down on the director for that. He's still like, <laughs> I mean, he. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he won the 2013 Indie Genre Spirit Award at the Buffalo Dreams Fantastic okay, Film Festival. Okay, great. So I'd never say anything bad about the 2013 winner of the Indie Genre Spirit Award at the Buffalo Dreams Fantastic Film Festival. <laughs> I'm sure that this was not his fault. It, I actually, I was going to say I want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I am at least somewhat mildly curious about how this unofficial director's cut that he released turned out. Yeah. There's an unofficial director's cut of this movie? Oh, did I not say that? Um, no. No. Oh, when he like he talked about how the studio like took it, just placed an archive footage, just released it. And yeah, it says that he has since made an unofficial release of a director's cut version of this. Oh, I have to um, look this so, up no, though. So I, I I'm not saying I blame the movie on him, but what I'm saying is that there like he didn't go on to direct the Fast and the Furious movies or something after this. Like there's like some vaguely well known talented people in this movie. Some of them at the end of their careers, you know. Eh. Oh, oh no it's bad oh in no ways, but it's not bad in what well i'm just looking i've just googled it i'm trying to find the uh ticker unofficial director's cut and the first result that comes up is this unofficial steven seagal forum <laughs> seagal.net <laughs> and there's a post from 2003 that says i'm sorry guys but i actually like ticker despite the pat <laughs> it gets i bought the first on regular two dvd and then on artisan reg one dvd <laughs> multiple purchases <laughs> he spent more money on this movie than the production company did are you okay <laughs> this, this is from 2003 okay? this guy's not okay <laughs> also okay something i feel like that oh, we need man. to point out watching this movie in 2023 it's bad enough I need you to imagine this movie um, came out November 13th, 2001. Again, not to dwell on the bad thing that happened in 2001 too much, but I want you to, like, 
a movie if about terrorists mu- planting if i was bombs in the theater watching this movie two months after 9 11 i would feel like i was having a fucking stroke like i don't even know how i would my body wouldn't be able to calculate like you know the world that i was in at this point no. oh that reminds me just other reference we've just been making references this whole time i did think of the um arrested development joke so while i was watching this movie i was starting to think we have very likely it's maybe too early to say but i think we've kind of there feels like there's been a shift even in the earlier movies that they'd be like bad but have some kind of weird redeeming quality or some kind of yeah. like interesting gem there um and steven skull was never the good part of it but he was kind of like ended up being in some passively okay movies i think we'll watch you know the next two or three to confirm but my theory i'm already positive not even a, a hypothesis i don't even have a theory my hypothesis is that this is like the first major shift this is like we enter not leaving we already answered like direct to dvd skull but this is like he's actually treating the movies a different way he's not even trying anymore we're entering like not leaving his chair skull we're entering like yeah i think we're seeing an epoch here we're seeing like a shift in the type of skull we'll be seeing and just the fact that this movie came out in november of 2001 i was thinking of that joke from arrested developments you know, I'm not really sure what uh what really made Steven Seagal's career go downhill. I'm not really what sure what made you know Steven Seagal go from like a bit of a laughing stock to like you know the biggest laughing stock on the planet. I don't want to blame 9/11, but it, it certainly didn't help things. Like I'm thinking of that scene when he's just what was he saying like uh I don't know why our marriage didn't work. I don't want to blame it on 9/11, but like that's all I can picture here is like not that I'm blaming 9/11, but I don't think it helped. Well, it's like, just think... so strange. This is I I wouldn't be surprised. I I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna say we might be in the new era of Seagal. Yeah. This might be the first. I honestly think so because this is such a, a drastic dip. Like it, they were not I, good before. This like hurt to yeah. watch. Yeah. If we dig through like the geological layers of like Steven Seagal movies, I think this is like we're seeing a new period. Where like there's yeah. a change in like the atmosphere that made like the soil show up differently here. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm debating between for my star rating is if this is half a star or one star. I honestly think this is half a star for me. I I think it's that yeah. low cuz we're going to go up. We we have like the like uh, no hear me out, hear me out. This yeah, was we, we keep saying this was so unbelievably painfully bad. Bad enough yeah. that the director himself apologized yeah. for the movie. Bad enough that we we know the history of it. They ran out of money and they spliced in footage from other movies. I have to believe that they're not all this bad. I have to believe that it, <laughs> that at some point they're going to go up, even from half a star to one star. This one over. might. You gotta I, I don't know. I yeah. I gotta yeah. hold out hope that they're not going to be this painful to watch for the rest of the year. Or else that the next thirty-eight my... movies are going to be torturous. <laughs> but like shotgun, like you know, rolling the dice. One of them, just statistically speaking, has to be better. <laughs> yeah. Even if like thirty-seven of them are also half a star, and like there's one more that's like a full star. No, yeah. I would agree with that. The problem is that this whole time, like, I don't want to go too low because then I can't go any lower. Like, I'm worried I give this half a star and then the next one's somehow worse. But at some point, like, then we're going to get, like, you know, two-thirds of the way through and I still haven't given, like, you're right. At some point, we just got to, yeah, I'll probably go half a star on this. Yeah. I, like, don't, I mean, even if it's worse than this, like, it's, it doesn't change. Like, they're both no. just half stars. One's just, like, a, a <laughs> or half a star. <laughs> I think maybe my favorite quote is towards the beginning Seagal is like tip 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 tap 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 tapping on a computer and like just like a big message pops up on the screen that says like 500 pounds of Semtex believed to be in possession of the IRA and he just goes not good (laughs) 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 like again we reference show don't tell in these episodes so much 
And that's my favorite example of just like, you didn't, you didn't have a smoother way of conveying that information. Like, again, it's literally just like a big, like, you know, early 2000s, like virus pop-up ad that just says like, you know, I, I need to find the exact wording on it. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. No, it you're, matters you're... to me. It, you're right though you, everything you said about it you're right oh also relatively early like in that same scene he's like pulling up these like really advanced diagrams for like the bomb that's going to be in the end of the movie like this really bad dangerous bomb that can kill a whole city and he says something like uh the internet's great like you know because of it like everyone has access to this information or he's like you can thank the freedom of information act i think he says you can thank america for that um yeah so yeah he's pulling up a page that says semtex shipments 500 pounds of Semtex is believed to be an IRA possession. Not good. He just sounds like a vaguely stern like parents. Not good. Um, <clears throat> I can't even replicate his his manner of speaking. Good. Not good. I You share your quotes while I look for this. I don't have any. I don't have one. I, I don't care. I just... <laughs> I'm not going to pick one for this movie. I just you know dislike I mean? this so much. Oh, no. see, because I actually had so many. Because I had that. I had the... I offered you fame and glory, like that one by Dennis Hopper. This movie got me so close to giving up on the project. It was... <laughs> I just... I just have nothing to say about this movie. Forget anything good to say about the movie. I just don't have anything to say about the movie. Like, it's... This one, like, honestly, it it hurt oh okay wait hans we're both right it's a magical world where we're both right (laughs) (laughs) and that's not me just like zach like you know refusing to admit an issue he says thank you america for the freedom of information acts (laughs) (laughs) wow nice i just okay so i I guess i guess but no it wasn't just about being right it was that i had a specific reason to bring this up because I would genuinely like to know if the person writing the script think that's how the Freedom of Information Act works. That so the Freedom of Information Act means you can submit a request to the government to have them declassify documents. That is your right as an American citizen. You can FOIA any state or not part any part of the state or federal governments. They retract information. You do not just get completely unedited, you know, uncensored, like you know, full you cannot submit a FOIA request, how do I make this bomb? And the government will send you instructions <laughs> on how to make the bomb. <laughs> this stuck out because weird flex, but okay. Weird flex on Zach's part. I'm probably the only person in this call, probably the only person on the podcast who has been on the receiving end of a FOIA request at this point in my life. Oh, I handle those all the time. What are you talking about? Do you get Wait, can you get FOIA requests? No. Oh. <laughs> I was like, well, Really? Um, but just, it, it was a boring one, but like, I just worked at a public university. So even like, you know, uh, public universities, because they are like, you know, state funded, you can do freedom of information requests there. It was like someone requested it. So they just had all the employees have to submit anything. It's very boring. Cause I didn't even have anything to submit. Like I went through my entire email and I didn't have anything germane to what they wanted, but <laughs> you should have found something that was like, <laughs> just, just barely point, not send an email saying fart 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 and then put the keyword of what they're searching for so then that one gets like put into the court proceedings <laughs> um but as someone who has personally uh, been a part of an organization that received a fire request oh. that's not how they work uh mr paul b Margulis, uh the writer of this movie 
I the thing is they talk about IMDb talks about how the script was around for like ten years before they shot it. I'm sure there are like fifty seven different writers on this thing. Like we don't <laughs> yeah. even know who put that in, but that line stuck out when he just says thank you, America, for the Freedom of Information Act, because I'm just like it's a very dumb movie. Everything characters say are dumb, but for some reason that particularly stuck out as dumb. Like you can't just ask the government how to make a bomb and they're gonna tell you how to make a bomb. They will absolutely not tell you how to make a bomb. <laughs> they take the black marker to those parts. Um, okay. That I think for real. I know that the, the ending's a bit messy here. We'll cut a lot of this out. And I uh, we'll tell, fix like, it in post. We'll, we'll splice also, in and, and some shots from uh, other podcasts. Oh, that actually <laughs> be a pretty funny bit. Just like splice it <laughs> into NPR bits or something. Like <laughs> That's an excellent idea. You're like, oh, it's kind of winding down. We kind of don't have anything to say about this part. And then I just like put in like some random film review for another movie. <laughs> As I put in the Super Mario Brothers movie, really, really falters in the third act. Um, but it's okay. I'm ed- I accept it. I'm editing this one. I'll edit around the messy bits here. We have made our own little ticker about ticker. Oh gosh. Um, I the vibes are off. The energy levels are off. This is a bad movie. This was a bad movie. It was a, it was a very bad movie. Even when the other movies are bad, we can say like it's a direct to you know dvd thing but like there's kind of like this weird creative like art film trying to burst like through the medium <laughs> yeah. like something yeah. discussed this was just bad like the patriot no, at least had like two shots that were like oh that's kind of pretty yeah like um, if you just want conventionally like interesting somebody's action film we have like under siege like every movie kind of does its own thing even like i hated glimmer man but at least glimmer man like kind of offers a complete movie this like as we've learned is literally not even a complete movie glimmer man at least gets to be like knock off jason Bourne. yep um, yeah, uh, this, I, I I still contend that it's knockoff rush hour, but we're we're right at the the bottom, I think, of the uncanny valley where it's mm-hmm. not decent anymore, but it's also not like so bad that it's funny anymore. It's just bad, it's just bad. and we're we're right at the the very pit, the well, very bottom of that. Then I pray yeah. that this is an inflection point where. We, you know, dig through the crust and get into so bad it's good again. Yeah. Not not, not so bad it's good. So bad that it's at least funny. Yeah. That's no, no, fine. Well, you know what I was going to say to that, actually, when you say that we're at, like, the bottom of this barrel? I have a little quote from um, Lieutenant Frank Glass that I like to share in moments like this. <laughs> was he a lieutenant in this one? I guess. I, guess. I don't know. Wikipedia says he was. I... Um, no, but yeah, so this movie is truly awful. It's terrible. We're at the bottom of the, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but like my man, Lieutenant Frank Glass says, you know, the one thing about hitting the bottom is after that, there's only one way you can go and that's up. So hopefully we go, hopefully next week you find (laughs) us going at least a little bit up or at least further down, but in a very funny way. That means one of us has to die. mention it brother um yeah join us next week for half past dead half past <laughs> dead has a three percent rotten tomato oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> we went further down <laughs> we dug through that barrel it's very it's very bad <laughs>